It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, February 6, 2014. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Good to be with you as well. Monty is behind the board. We'll look forward to hearing from you tonight, Monty. Thank you for coming tonight. Thank you, Jacob. And uh, we'll look forward to hearing from you as well at 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com and if you're listening to us live tonight we would encourage you to join in the chat room at the bottom of your video window on the program tonight if you're listening to us in the podcast version we're glad that you're here we appreciate you staying subscribed to our program and maybe uh, this is your first time listening to the virtual bible study you can find almost nine years of programs on our website at thevirtualbiblestudy.com and even if you're not listening to us live you can comment on the program tonight or on any question or comments you might have at questions at collegeview.com. We welcome your communication with us at any time. We look forward to hearing from you. Interesting program tonight. An interesting uh, event occurred earlier this week. Yeah, Jacob, uh, on Tuesday night of this week, there was a, a fairly well-publicized debate that took place up in northern Kentucky. That doesn't make me feel very good because I didn't, I didn't find out about it till it was already underway. So, oh, well, well, you're well, out I'm, of, I'm you're out of the cave, loop. I guess. Yeah, huh? you're out of the yeah. loop. But uh, there was a debate held at the uh, Creation Museum, which is right. just south of Cincinnati, Ohio, on the Kentucky side of the Ohio River there. Uh, the president of that Creation Museum, he's also president of an organization called Answers in Genesis. His name is Ken Ham. Yes. He's pretty well known in what I would call creationist circles. 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 He's, yeah. uh, Ken, Ken Ham is a name pretty well known. He's yeah. been out there for years yeah. uh, sort of publishing and publicizing <coughs> creationist young earth kind of uh, – uh, materials and there is a uh, I've never been to this museum near Cincinnati uh, just south of Cincinnati but I, I've talked to people who have and they say it's fairly well done uh, there was a debate between him and another guy who's also well known Bill Nye Bill yes. Nye the science guy he had a PBS show years ago called the science guy and, yes and uh, I think his name is also well known he, he's an uh, an evolutionist and so the debate was about evolution uh-huh. and we uh uh, observed that debate, watched it. I think uh, I heard that over a million people watched that debate online. Unbelievable. So it drew a lot of interest, and it has received a good bit of coverage in the news media. Even the secular media has commented about this mm-hmm. debate which took place. Mm-hmm. And so we thought it only fitting that we uh, maybe review some of the things that were discussed on that in that debate. All right, and we will look forward to hearing from you. Did you watch the debate? Maybe you can sign in the chat room and let us know. Did you see the debate live, or have you looked at it in uh, the recorded version? Did you watch the debate? Did you have any thoughts? We'll look forward to hearing from you on that. You took some of uh, Bill Nye's arguments. What we and, did, uh, wanted and what to we, examine them. What we did, and what we sent out to our update list earlier today, as we always do on Thursday, uh, we send out a news about what our topic will be. I, I was able to glean 14 arguments that were offered by Bill Nye during the course of the debate, not in one speech, but overall. Yeah. And I got, and actually, I, I took these from a summary that was written by a gal named Rebecca Savastio. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so uh, she was the one who was diligent enough to take notes on everything that was said. And so I just actually gleaned from her document. These arguments. Uh, I listened to most of the debate, but I did not take notes. I listened and, to part. Once I found out it was on, yeah, I did uh, listen to most of it. And uh, well, you know, one thing you didn't have in here that it seemed like Bill and I was on this agenda that you've got to accept science or else the economy will suffer. Did yeah, you notice that? I, I want to get to that uh, uh, that idea that you know, if we believe in creation, then our our country is going to dissolve into non-technological darkness yes right uh, we're going to we're going to comment about okay, that as we right, go, go along uh, uh so we've got 14 statements that he made they're not verbatim quotes but they're sort of summaries of some of the arguments that he made so okay. we wonder you know bill and i uh, actually got our attention a while back jacob because we did talk about that. he came across with a 
really what we thought was an outrageous statement. And I'm looking back in our archives, and I think it was in September 27th of 2012, we did a program we called Unscientific Evolution. And I think Bill Nye was the one who Yeah, and who we, we asked him to uh, sort of debate us, but he ignored Yeah, we actually, we actually commented or uh, sent him a, uh, an email about our intentions to review his comments. Surprisingly, we got no response know, at all. I know. Uh, this was the comment that he made back then in 2012. If you want to deny evolution and live in your world, in your world that's completely inconsistent with everything we observe in the universe, that's fine. But don't make your kids do it because we need them. We need scientifically literate voters and taxpayers for the future. We need people that, that can. We need people. We need engineers that can build stuff and solve problems. Now, right there is that idea that you were suggesting a minute ago, right. and he came across this repeatedly Tuesday night in the debate, that if you believe in creationism, then you're not going to be able to be scientifically literate. You're not going to be able to solve problems. You're not going to be able – you won't be able to design the, the next generation of iPhones. You won't be able to, to design uh, the next generation of computers. You know, we're just going to – we're just going to wilt away technologically because if you believe in creationism – you can't do. You can't accomplish anything in the real world today. We won't talk about all the great inventors and uh, and scientists who have lived throughout time who believe in and creation. Cur- and, cur- and currently scientists. Believe- you know, in the in the debate Tuesday night, Ken Ham referenced a number of notable yeah. scientists of the modern day uh, who believe that God created the heavens and the earth. And uh, Anthony's in the chat room. He's signing in with uh, those who did believe in creation: Isaac Newton, Louis Pasteur. And the list goes on. Henry Ford, uh, all people, uh, no offense, Bill Nye, but they uh, invented and uh, created and discovered far more things than you ever did or will. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Throughout the debate, uh, Bill Nye repeatedly cited an argument called the reasonable man argument. He cited Adolf, I I looked up how to pronounce this guy, and he's a Frenchman, Curtilet, Curtilet, Coutelet, Curtilet. I don't know. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, this this French sociologist, he was also a scientist. He made the argument back in the 1800s, a reasonable man. Mm-hmm. Uh, a reasonable man is a man of intellect and education and knowledge who can judge evidence and arguments and function as an intellectual authority on his own two feet. Uh, uh, the, the idea is a reasonable man would look at the evidence and conclude that evolution happened. You know, it's it, it's unreasonable. You are not a reasonable man to believe in creation as described in the Bible. And so, you know, he he was he, from from the very outset Bill Nice was was making the argument that the evidence is overwhelmingly in support of naturalistic evolution. Mm-hmm. Uh and that a reasonable man who would look at that evidence and make that conclusion and that you'd have to be ignoring the evidence to believe in creation. And I think we'll see as we go through our discussion tonight, that's really not true. Okay. All right. We'll look forward to hearing from you tonight. Uh, should we just jump into the arguments that you uh, – you had a couple emails you wanted yeah, to Yeah, uh, a couple emails before we do, just general observations about the debate. And we'd be glad to get your observation uh, – uh, in, in the chat room. Do you, in fact, I'd like, uh, if you're in the chat room, just give us an answer. Who do you think won the debate? That'd be an interesting poll to take in, yeah, the, in, in the, the chat, chat room. room. If you want, uh, yeah, uh, Randy in Sports Creek, Michigan, did watch the debate just tonight, though. He looks like he was Yeah, you can watch it. It's still it's widely available online. Okay. All right. But if you've watched it, let us know your thoughts. Maybe you can give us a couple lines there, or maybe just tell us who you think did a better job. Okay. Um, Peter Twin, uh, Peter in Australia. We haven't heard from Peter in a long, long time. And Did he, he watch the debate? Uh, he said, uh, no, I don't know. He doesn't say. Okay. He said, I used to struggle with the Old Testament when I was younger because of the propaganda that I'd been exposed to through school. When I started looking at the real evidence, I realized that there's just nothing that supports Darwinian evolution. I believe even Darwin himself had serious doubts about his theory, and no other field of science is a theory promoted as fact. Yeah, really, that's the amazing thing right there. When one looks at how much of the Old Testament has been proven by history, archaeology, and even medicine, it really stretches the imagination to believe the rest of the Bible is wrong. Things that are that science believed today are constants can be shown to have changed over time, such as the speed of light, which can be demonstrated to be slowing by looking at errors in astronomy from the 17th century. 
He said, I'd like to write more, but he said he was boarding a plane. Well, great to hear from you, Thank Peter. You, Peter. Glad Good to, to hear know from you're you still out there. Across the way. And then our friend Aaron in Baton Rouge, Louisiana wrote. He wrote before I actually sent out the note that we were going to be talking about this tonight. Uh, he, and this is sort of his summary. I think it's well stated. He said, I was more than a little disappointed with both sides and the amount of time that they spent not talking about the actual proposition that was supposed to define the discussion. In other words, the, the, the debate proposition is, is the creationist model a reasonable explanation of, of our origins? Yes. Uh, and he said, I, was, uh, I thought neither of them really focused on evaluating whether a proposed model of recently created Earth is contrary to any observable scientific data. When the subject of radioactive dating came up, for example, Ham did actually show a couple of slides about it, but he spent almost no time discussing its flaws. He referred to, to some assumptions that underlie the method but didn't give any alternative explanation for how the same observational data might fit into the picture of a young Earth. For those of us who have spent some time thinking about the subject, he said enough to remind us of some of the reasons why radioactive dating is not necessarily a good measure of the age of the Earth. But he didn't say anything that would help, for example, a college student understand why the supposed ages he hears about in geology class are on shaky ground. It wasn't a discussion about how this model can be consistent with that data, which is his whole point about observational versus historic science. This was a perfect example to demonstrate the difference I think he whiffed on it. As the debate went on, I decided the two men were preaching to two very different audiences. Nye was clearly pandering to the ordinary voting public, trying to convince them without any data that creationists will somehow turn the U.S. into a technological backwater because we don't do any science. Mm. But But Ham seemed to have two objectives. He appeared to feel an obligation to preach his version of the plan of salvation all the way up to Romans 10, 9 and 10. And he wanted to reach already religious people and tell them it's okay to believe Genesis because God said it. Neither of those two objectives really address the proposition, and neither of them is going to help the general public feel any sense of respect for the ability of creationists to understand science. I think he spent a lot of time off topic. I don't object to anybody talking about how to be saved, but this wasn't the right forum. On the flip side, if the Jews on Pentecost had asked, what shall we do? And Peter had replied that he'd get to that, but first he needed to explain to them about how Old Testament genealogies add up to 6,000 years. That also, that also would have been the wrong way to take the discussion. Likewise, if you have an opportunity to reach people who are interested in hearing about whether a young earth hypothesis is consistent with observable data, then you should tell them exactly that because they aren't really ready for Romans 10, 10 yet anyway. So I think anybody on the fence who might have been curious about a young earth would have been disappointed by the amount of time Ham spent talking about believing things because God said so when the specific purpose was to establish consistency with scientific observation. I think uh, Aaron made some excellent observations there. Yeah, yeah, he, he, right. he's, he's uh, really on on the mark. The there, only two people who have chimed in in the chat room uh, who they thought did a better job are guests uh, 928 and uh, Tim. Both think that Bill Nye did a better job, and uh, both seem to agree with Bill Nye. So we're glad that you're both here, and we'll look forward to hearing from you. And we'd welcome you to call us. It's toll-free, 877-381-4567. That line is open, and we'd love to hear from you, especially if you disagree with us tonight and you do believe that uh, creation is not a viable explanation for the things that we hear see here today. You know, i, I got to say, I think that, a, that a, uh, a person who was not familiar with the arguments probably would have been swayed more by Nye than by Ham if you were, if you were completely unread on the subject and you came to listen to that. I think Nye did a better job. Just he's a speaking. better presenter. He's, he's a, a better, better presenter, a better speaker, yeah. and and actually he was successful in doing what I would call just throwing a lot of dust in the air. Yeah, I agree. You know, you know uh, cloud the issue, make it seem too hard to comprehend. Uh, it, raised oh, out, raised out. Right. And and I think he did that. And yeah. So you know, if, so I think that. And I, I don't think that uh, Mr. Ham dealt with his arguments. Uh, I mean, he, he could have shut him down if. He, and I, I mean, hey, he did a better job than I would have done. Oh sure, yeah, yeah, uh, me but, too, me too. But as, as an armchair quarterback, I, I don't think he dealt with his arguments as well as he could have. I think that's right. All right, all right. So what we want to do, and we're already up to first break time, and we got fourteen uh, observations or arguments that Bill and I made in the debate Tuesday night. We want to talk about them. We're going to have to go real fast. Uh, but we just thought we'd kind of review some of the things he said and see if see if uh, we can give a uh, an explanation that works. All right. First two that we get to when we get back, and we'll take your comments during the break, 
There's not enough time in 4,000 years for there to be millions of years of fossil layers that are present. That's his first argument. This is Bill Nye's argument. Number two, they go out into the uh, Arctic and they drill into the ice and they count layers. And there's more layers than there are years. So he says that tells us that the Earth must be very, very old. We'll talk about that. We'll when talk we get about back. that when we get back. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. There's more of the virtual Bible study to come after these important messages. Stay tuned. I'm Tom Goodall, a member of College View Church of Christ. Do you have a question about what has been said on the virtual Bible study tonight? Perhaps you disagree with something that was said, or would just like more information about what you've heard. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us with any questions or comments that you might have. Email us at questions at collegeview.com, and we can discuss any of your questions or comments with you privately or over email. Or if you would like to speak with someone in person, call us at 931-381-4567. Our promise to you is that we'll do our very best to give you a Bible answer for anything that we do or teach, and that we will do so in a loving manner. So if you have any questions or comments about our program tonight, or any Bible subject, email us at questions at collegeview.com or call 931-381-4567. Thanks for listening to tonight's virtual Bible study, and we hope to hear from you soon. Here's some quotes worth pondering. When you rise in the morning, give thanks for the light, for your life, for your strength. Give thanks for your food and the joy of living. If you see no reason to give thanks, the fault lies in yourself. Keep your eyes open. The man who forgets to be thankful has fallen asleep in life. Be thankful for what you have and you'll end up having more. If you concentrate on what you don't have, you will never, ever have enough. Man, wish I'd said that. See, I told you we'd be back. The virtual Bible study continues. And we're back on the program tonight, and we encourage your comments. We'll look forward to hearing from you. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Tim says something that uh, I think we can agree with. He said he felt the debate was respectful and even pitched for the p- position. I do think it was. They were both respectable uh, towards each other. Yeah, and there so, wasn't, you know, and I, and I think that's what, I hope that's what we try to accomplish on the virtual Bible. So we're not trying to be antagonistic, even when we talk to people we disagree with. Uh, uh, but but I think it's always good to explore differences. Uh, you know, if, if we come to the same question and end up diametrically different answers, we both can't be right. Right. And so we ought to talk about that. All right. See if Gu- we can... Guess uh, 928 asked a question. I think it's as a, uh, as someone who's opposed to Bill Nye, what support or documentation do you have to back up the creationist idea besides the Bible? That's an excellent comment, and we will uh, we'll show some of that hopefully as we go along. Uh, but there 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 is um, we do have uh, support beyond just the Bible. Yeah, but I want to you know we should not assume that we have to come up with a a workable naturalistic explanation. To everything Absolutely. that, that, and I that think is, that was one of the flaws of the. You know, I'm not. Go, I'm not going to say that that physical laws, as we presently understand them today, can be used to explain everything that has happened in the historic past. I agree with that because we believe we're working with an all-powerful God who is capable to do things that that supersede the natural law that we observe on planet Earth today. Right, and so. You know, it, it is a mistake, and I'm. I, I kind of thought that maybe Ham fell into that trap. Right. I got to. I got to give a workable, naturalistic answer to every question. Maybe not. And we're going to talk about when we get to Noah's Ark, for instance. I will talk about that. Now, and and the, the, and so a fundamental thing here to note at the beginning is we are not going to have the answer to every question. But nor is the evolutionist going to have an answer to every question. In the end, it's going to come down to faith on either side of the issue. Either you believe in creation and you take some things that you can't understand and you can't explain, or you believe in evolution and you take some things that you can't understand and you can't under- explain. You're going to have to take one of those two with some faith. Yeah, yeah, because uh, I, I pulled that out too uh, there at the, later in the in the uh, in the question and answer session. A couple of questions were asked, and I just simply admitted we don't know some very basic fundamentals. Uh, and we'll comment about that. All right. We got Aaron. Aaron, who we read his his email earlier, is in the chat room. But he says he can't get the audio to work. Keep trying, Aaron. Uh, send him a, a, a chat message there, Jacob. All right. So here's the first uh, the, the first couple of things 
Number one, there's not enough time in 4,000 years for there to be millions of years of fossil layers present. Okay. Uh, and number two goes closely with it. His, he says, my colleagues go out and drill ice rods uh, in, in Antarctica in what they call snow ice, and they find layers there. In other words, the ice there is made up of compacted layer after layer after layer of snow that has fallen. Then more snow falls on it and it presses it down. More falls on that and presses it down. Right. And he says that when they do that, they are they they count six hundred and eighty thousand layers of snow. He calls them winter cycle, winter summer cycles. That each layer is a winter summer cycle. Correct. Uh, and therefore, that proves that the Earth has been here a lot longer than well. He said four thousand years. The global flood of Noah happened about four thousand years ago. He said it's obvious that these winter summer cycles of snow ice have been compiling for lots longer than 4,000 years. All right. Now, again, I don't think I have to come up with a naturalistic explanation of that, but I would argue that that each one of those layers is not necessarily a year. Okay. You know, you can think of a big snowstorm comes along, right. and then it warms up slightly, and another snowstorm comes along and lands on top of that. And I would think in Antarctica it happens fairly consistently that you get a big snow and then sometime later, a big snow piles up on top of that. And then another one comes up and piles up on top of that. Okay. I think the assumption of that of that evidence that he suggested to, to prove his case, the assumption is that every one of those layers is a year, and that is not proved. Okay. All right. And I'd, I'd ask the same thing about the, uh, uh, the discussion of fossil layers. He says there's not enough time in 4,000 years for there be, to be millions of years of fossil layers present. How do you know that each one of those layers is a year? How long does it take for a fossil layer to develop? Yeah. And and in all of this that we'll be talking about tonight, one of the assumptions that is not true, we know is not true, is that they're assuming that the that what we see happening in a normal year today is what has always happened in a normal solar cycle. You know, that a year is a year is a year. And that what happens in one year, in other words, if... If this many fossils were laid down in 2013, yeah. then that's how many fossils get laid down every year yeah. on the earth. That does not take into account catastrophic events that have happened in the course of history. Okay. The, the greatest of them all, obviously, being the great worldwide flood in the days of Noah. Yeah. What happened in that flood is beyond our ability to comprehend or measure. And and we see significant result of that. The earth, the very the very basic characteristics of the earth were altered yes. in the course of the flood in Noah's day. And so, you know, one of the things that, that Bill Nye and evolutionary people like him want to suggest is that the, that the gradual, almost immeasurable processes that are happening on the globe today have always been happening and always at that rate. Yes. And that's just not true. Uh, Anthony says uniformitarianism is not a line of reasoning that is friendly to the evolutionists, and he's not sure why Bill and I would use that line of reasoning. And that is true. Things have to change. Uh, laws have to be set aside under the evolutionary explanation. Appreciate uh, that. Uh, I know what's wrong with Aaron's picture. We, we've, got, we, we've overrun our seats. In the, in oh, our yes, we have. Yes, we have. All right. Well, we might could fix that during the break. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right, so um, uh, that is that is uh, how we would answer numbers one and two. Four thousand years, not enough time for all the fossils present, not enough time for all the the uh, uh, summer, winter snow cycles that apparently are measured in the Antarctic. All right, all number right. three. Number three, he says there are trees that are. This is a, again same kind of argument. There are trees that are 6,800 years old and 9,550 years old. How could those trees be there if there was a flood 4,000 years ago? Where, where are those trees? I haven't seen any of those. I am assuming that's true. You know what? And again, what they're doing is they're counting the rings on the trees. 68,000 rings. Yeah. They so, had to kill the tree to six, count the rings. Oh, it was, it was 6,800 years old. But, but we even, cut him down. Oh, boy. But again, the assumption of A lot of firewood in that tree, though. <laughs> the assumption in that is... That a tree could only possibly make one ring a year, right? Yes. And I don't think that's true. You know, in a drought year or in an incredibly wet year, there might be more rings made or less. 
And so, again, there's some unproven assumption in the argument that if you found a tree with more than 4,000 rings, assuming that that tree would have had to begin to growing sometime after Noah's flood about 4,000 years ago, and you found a tree that had more than 4,000 rings, therefore it proves that the flood couldn't have happened 4,000 years ago, I think is based upon an assumption, an unproven assumption. And that is that a tree can only possibly form one tree ring per solar cycle. Monty. The Bible doesn't, didn't say that God killed every plant that lived on the earth right. during the flood. He, he killed everything that, that drew the breath of air. Right. And so a tree could theoretically or conceivably have survived from the beginning of creation through the flood, maybe damaged some, but still survived and existed till today. So the fact that there's one, he's saying 6,800 years, I wouldn't necessarily pin down the 6,000 year number that we use and believe is the approximate age of the earth okay maybe it had a few extra range i could say could see that the world could be 6800 years old instead of just an even 6000 i wouldn't try to peg the age of the earth down that close necessarily All right. yeah I, I i you know what they do you know i think back s- several centuries ago a man named usher and they call him bishop usher i guess he was a either a catholic or a or a but he was, he was a bishop he though. was a bishop yes of he some was kind. Bishop Usher's chronology. And what he did, and anybody could do that, is you go back and you, you add up the ages, the chronologies that are listed beginning mm-hmm. in Genesis 5 and then they're re- repeated in 11 and you keep adding up the ages. And, and so if you add that up, you go back and let's see, I, I think in, in this Bible, which would have Usher's chronology cited, they've got creation happening in 4004 BC. Uh, and then they would have Noah's flood. Let's see. Noah's flood, based upon Usher's chronology, would happen at about, well, this is saying 2348. Uh, so actually we're what? 40, almost 40, 4200 and some odd years after Noah's flood, according to Bishop Usher's chronology. All right. Uh, by the way, I think, you know, if the Bible can be understood and explained at all, Dating back to Noah's flood is pretty easy. I, yeah. mean, I think we got – there are not huge genealogical gaps from Noah on, so that, that would seem right. All right. Tim in the chat room, Monty, says, show me any tree that can live underwater for a year. Well, that seems to be a lot smaller challenge than showing a single-celled organism that can turn itself into a tree. I think I'd take my chances with a tree living underwater for a year. It would and, seem to be a lot easier. <laughs> it would. But, and now, again, again, we don't have to have that. Uh, and again, and we're talking with we're talking about God. And he could have, he could have preserved. You know, the, the question has been raised. In fact, Aaron's in the chat room, uh, uh, and uh, he has he has asked me about this before. You know, what about uh, the flood? What about, for instance, we got fish. Apparently, the water animals survived the flood. We got saltwater animals. We got freshwater animals. Well, in in the flood. Was the water so diluted out that the salinity content wouldn't have been enough to sustain the saltwater fish or been too much to sustain the freshwater fish? How do you explain that? Well, I don't know, but I believe, I believe we're talking about God. And, and so I don't have to, and I think the answer is we don't have to come up with an explanation that works on the basis of under, uh, observed natural law, scientific law when we're talking about an infinite God. All right. When we think about that tree, it wouldn't necessarily have been underwater for the whole year. We know that Noah and his family and the animals stayed on the ark for that whole year, but we also know that after the 40 days, shortly after that, it talks about the water started receding. Now, they had to stay on the ark long, significantly longer than that for God to be ready for them to get off. That doesn't mean that all of the land was underwater the whole time. Right. Obviously, it wasn't. That's true. Yeah. That's true. That's a good point, Monty. But... Uh, even at that, uh, you know, God could have made the, the earth with trees that were appeared to be very old, and that's another explanation. Yeah, um, because we believe that God created a mature earth. Right. And I don't think in, in these summaries that we got from this Rebecca Savastio, uh, I don't see any reference that he made to uh, all the stars than so many millions and billions of light years away. Yeah. You know, I, I think the answer to that is God created a mature universe. He created those stars, and he created the light from those stars to here. We didn't have to wait 600 million and light he years. He created light without a light source. We know he, that in Genesis that's 1. Right. So that's he doesn't what, have to have the stars get so here before I think, they light So I think he killed. created the light that, that made it possible for us to see those stars 
We didn't have to wait for them to get here. You know, that's always been an easy answer to me. You know, somebody says, if the earth is only a few thousand years old, how are we seeing stars that are uh, hundreds of millions of light years away from here? Yeah. You know, the, the light wouldn't have got here yet from those stars if the earth is only a few thousand years old. No, God created the stars and he created the light from the stars so that we could see them to, to witness his power and majesty. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. It's time for a break, but uh, Aaron, is can't, he can't hear us, but he can chat. He says, now I was pretty clear about the second law of thermodynamics and its immutability. It is pretty well accepted that there is no process in the universe that can add to the net potential of the universe to do work, yet the universe has potential. Even Bill Nye will tell you that it is impossible for natural processes to create it. This is an argument that the potential of the universe originates from something outside the laws of physics because the laws of physics only allow for potential to decrease. Let us know your thoughts. We want to hear those during the break. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Wow, it isn't so hard to understand the Bible after all. There's more exciting study and discussion coming after these messages. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Super Bowl winning quarterback Russell Wilson related that his father was a big encouragement to him in his early athletic endeavors. He would say, why not you, Russ? Why not you? Wilson used those same words to motivate his teammates to an impressive victory in the biggest game of the year. He challenged them by saying, why not us? Many of us could use that same concept to inspire us to greater service in the Lord's kingdom. Think about it. There's a Bible class that needs taught. Why not me? There's a sick member or one who needs special help. Why not me? There are some rather menial chores that need to be done around the church building. Why not me? There's a weak brother or sister who needs some real encouragement. Why not me? Or on a collective congregational level, the lost in our community need to be taught the precious saving gospel of our Lord. Why not us? Many churches are waffling on important doctrinal issues, and the truth needs to be defended. Why not us? Preachers need support to take the gospel to areas both home and abroad. Why not us? Hopefully we get the idea. There's much to do, and we should not wait for others to step up to the challenges. Why don't we pick up the ball and run with it? Jesus urged his disciples to, quote, lift up your eyes and look, John 4, verse 35. We need to do the same. We can accomplish great things for God's glory when we step out with the same confidence that the Apostle Paul expressed when he said, quote, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me, Philippians 4, verse 13. So, why not me? Why not us? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hi, my name is Bob Tidwell, and I want to remind you that the Virtual Bible Study provides a great opportunity to use your computer for something good. So turn off the TV and gather your family around the computer each Thursday night for the Virtual Bible Study. God's Word has the answers. Let's get back to studying it. The Virtual Bible Study rolls along. And we're back on the program tonight. Remind you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And a better way for you to find out more about us is to come and visit with us Sunday mornings, 9.30, Sunday evenings, 6 o'clock, Wednesday evenings, 7 o'clock. Find out more about our meeting place, and, uh, and you can also contact us with questions at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. We're talking about the debate this week by with, between Bill Nye and Ken Ham on whether or not creation is a viable explanation of the universe that we have today. we got some good emails uh, on these first couple things about ice layers and tree rings and uh, uh, so forth. Jim uh, in Kentucky says, Firstly, the questions are presented from an assumption that scientific methods are correct in every form, and thus to prove creation and the flood, you must prove it by scientific method. The Bible is not a book written to prove scientific method, but to prove the existence of God, the power of God, and the creation of man. Second, the scientists cannot, as Mr. Nye honestly admitted, describe exactly how the Big Bang came to be. The Big Bang is their explanation for how the world came into existence, but they cannot explain how the Big Bang came into existence. In other words, they, they argue... The Big Bang is their fallback. We we fall back to God. They fall back to the Big Bang. Is mm-hmm. what Jim's saying. They basically. Okay. I agree. He said uh, there's not enough to, if there's not enough time in four thousand years for there to be millions of years of fossil layers present. Answer: This assumes that carbon dating is accurate and the fossils are millions of years old. You know that's the old joke. The guy holds up a rock and he says, uh, "Here's a fossil that's ten million years old." And and the guy says, "How do you know he's ten million years old?" And the guy says, well, it's because it's in this rock that's 10 million years right. old. Circular and the guy idea. says, well, you know, that rock is 10 million years yeah. old. And he says, well, because it's got a 10 million year old fossil in yeah. it. You know, it's just, 
he says concerning the ice rods, uh, this assumes that each layer is created over a year's time. It could be that each layer is created whenever there is a snowfall or ice storm, which could happen multiple times in the season. I think he's right. All right. Concerning the trees, uh, why are there no trees millions of years old? If uh, if the earth were millions and millions of years old, then why no trees older than 9,000 years old? Uh, the dove of Genesis 9-8 brought back an olive leaf. If the trees and plants died under the water, where did the dove get an olive leaf? It's possible that trees were able to survive, possibly by miraculous means. All right. Okay. Uh, and we have Eric. Eric is in the chat room as well. Eric, thank you for sending in your comments. He said, I don't know much about fossils, but it would not surprise me if from the very beginning the soil was full of organic material, including fossils. We imagine Adam and Eve were created with heads full of hair, which is also basically dead biological matter. That would appear to point back to a longer period of time. So Eric is saying, could be that these fossils were created there. Um, on to this, the one about uh, the, number two, which was the uh, ice rods. He said, I believe the earth was already mature from the beginning. In fact, it is impossible for me to conceive of it otherwise. Not uh, that my lack of imagination in that regard proves anything. He says, the fact is, light from distant stars was visible from the beginning. How God accomplished this is not explained, but other evidences of vast periods of time should not be surprising. In fact, we should expect them. And uh, he's got an email on the uh, on the sixty five hundred the sixty eight thousand hundred year old tree. Yeah, and Chris in the UK found this same quote. Yeah. Apparently, it's from the Creationist Examiner. Uh, Bill Nye mentioned bristlecone pines to show an older age than six thousand years, but in doing so, he forgot that most bristlecone pines are colony like entity colon colony like entity. Yes, they are trying to date a bristle. Po- bristle cone pine colony by some kind of cumulatively sum of the ages of its members is fraught with peril. In fact, the oldest single organism alive today is the White Mountains bristle cone pine that Edmund Schulman and Tom Harlan found. It tops this list at 5,062 years of age as of 2012. Therefore, it sprouted in 3051 B.C. So maybe uh, Bill Nye wasn't accurate in in his reference to those uh, trees that are so old. All right. All right, we got to move quickly, Jacob. Let's move on to some other arguments. All right, yes, go fast. Um, uh, he says, scientists, he explains, scientists study and see exactly how long it takes sediment to turn into stone. They, they, they can't. And again, uh, Chris in the U.K. said, the grand evolutionary paradigm, paradigm of uniformitarianism abiogenesis and common descent depends on great age for the earth ice cores, tree rings and radioactive decay each of these depends on uniformitarianism the idea that any process at work today have always worked at the same rate since time immemorial he neglected to mention uh, the pleochronic halos that Robert Gentry found beginning in 1965 those halos show that radioactive decay accelerated in a distant past we can talk more about Dating methods a little later. So uh, I, I think that that's a lot of what Bill and I presented. But it, it, it is true of evolutionary scientists who believe in an ancient earth and a slow process. Yes. They believe in this uniformitarianism. And the Bible says it wasn't so. Right. But the evidence in the earth says it hasn't always been like it is. You know, yes, right. he, you know he, he talked about the Grand Canyon, number five. He shows pictures of the Grand Canyon and says there should be a Grand Canyon on every continent if the flood had happened. Well, there are some amazing canyons in lots of places on the Earth. I, I would, I, you know, I think that actually works against him. I think if the year the Earth is billions of years old, there should be a Grand Canyon in every riverbed. There shouldn't be any land left. It should have all eroded it to the sea. Should have all eroded. Yeah. I mean, why? Why is there just one Grand Canyon if these rivers have been flowing for millions of years? Yeah. So his, his argument about the Grand Canyon actually counter, uh, is counterproductive to his cause. I think so. But you, but you stop and think about that. I'm, uh, I was at the Grand Canyon earlier this or last year. Last year. You're happy they're not all over the place, are you? Wow. Uh, uh, your brother and I hiked to the bottom of the Grand Canyon and back out, and yes. like it nearly killed me. Yeah. Uh, but it's a long way down there. Yeah. And if you think of uniformitarian processes, could have caused that there. Well, it. It's, it's, it, it boggles the mind to imagine that the, the river flowing there now has always been flowing just like that, and it caused that kind of outcome. Yeah. How could it possibly? Like you say, why wouldn't, it, why wouldn't the Mississippi River have done that? Right. Uh, the Mississippi it's a River. It's a bigger river. It's a bigger river. More water. A lot more ro- water than the Colorado. Yeah. But 
Anyway, okay. All right. All right, number six. He says, as we look at fossils, Jacob, keep up with those emails too, by the way. Okay. Um, he says that it, as we look at fossils, we are looking at the past. You never, ever find a higher animal mixed into the lower ones. But if the water drained away so fast in the flood, there would be many animals mixed together. Now, I don't know about the flood layers, uh, but this idea that the fossils, that the higher fossils are always up higher and the lower. More, lo- meaning more developed. The more developed fossils are at a higher strata than the in other words, you should, you can, you can cut, you can cut into a, a, a section of sedimentary rock and you'll be able to, to see a perfectly delineated timeline of evolutionary progress through the fossils. Okay. That's absolutely false. Yes. There's all kind of places, uh, where this, where, where if evolution were true, the sedimentary layers are in completely different and wrong order. And I, I, I think that was a, a, a pretty, uh, a false claim on his part, and he repeated it more than once. But I think uh, I've, I've read numerous instances where the sedimentary layers are not properly ordered if evolution is true, and there's lots of evidence of that in the world. All right. Let us know your thoughts, 877-381-4567. Aaron in Baton Rouge can hear us now, so he's happy. We're happy that you can as well, Aaron. We'll look forward uh, to your well, hopefully uh, you can uh, comment on what we're talking about now. We're looking forward to that. And uh, Tim and Aaron are having some good discussion in the chat room. We won't be able to pick up all of that, but we're glad that they are commenting. Um, and uh, I would love, personally, this would this would be an incredible uh, discussion. I'd like for Tim and Aaron to, to be able to join us on the phone. We could arrange that next week. Yeah, I'd be glad for, for uh, Tim to debate Aaron yeah, and, online. We'll sit back and listen. And your fingers would be happy as well because you could talk instead of type, and that yeah. would be a much more uh, conducive uh, environment for a, d- a discussion. Okay. All right. We've got to go quickly to get through some of these other comments that Bill and I made. Um, he says, number seven, he says that if a wooden, if a giant wooden ship went aground safely in the Mideast, we would expect that some evidence of kangaroos traveling from the Mideast to Australia would be found in the past 4,000 years. I don't know how to answer that necessarily. You know, well, I would uh, say if a kangaroo traveled uh, across the United States today, would we find a fossil of it? Not necessarily. No. You know, uh, fossils are, of the things that die, only a very tiny, tiny fraction of them turn into fossils. Yeah, if we were to take Bill Nye's view of things, every kangaroo that fell over dead would turn into a rock, you know, a fossil. It doesn't work that yeah. way, Monty? Well, it's my understanding from the people that supposedly study these things and even would believe in evolution would tell us that life, the origin of life on the earth was in the Middle East. And so by their own arguments, I mean, life would have started there and, and spread out from there. But That's a good point. So, I mean, their arguments say that's what happened. We didn't come up with that when they did. Yeah, so why don't, uh, so why don't they, he believe his own argument? That's right. His own argument would say there ought to be some fossils leading kangaroos away from the Mideast toward Australia. Yeah. I think good point, Monty. Um Number eight, there are no fossils to support the creation theory. There are no. <laughs> I would say they all do. <laughs> there are no yes. fossils. There are no fossils to support the evolutionary. That's right. Theory. There are no missing links. You know, even Darwin acknowledged that. Famous paleontologists have acknowledged that there are no missing links. We just need. We just need uh, transitional be. forms. Darwin said the lack of transitional forms in the fossil record is the greatest argument that can be posed against the theory of evolution. He himself acknowledged we don't have the transitional fossils. You want to talk fossils. Fossils prove the opposite of evolution. You see sudden burst of fossils. You don't see a gradual uh, beginning and then an evolving and, and, and so forth. You don't see the transitional forms. And in the fossil record, you see, for instance, I think Chris in the U.K. made reference to the Cambrian explosion. Yes, and then he the there, well. there was suddenly a, an a, uh, an um, abundance of life seen in the fossil layer. It didn't start gradually and grow. It, it was boom. It was there. All right. Uh, so the fossil record does not support evolution. Okay. In fact, if, uh, Bill Nye and any evolutionist would be wise to stay far away from the fossil subject. Absolutely. It doesn't prove their case. All right. Number seven. All right. We well, let's take a break. Uh, we did seven. And eight. We're ready for nine. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be back and try to wrap up. Oh, that's right. We did seven. Okay. We'll take a break, and we've got a lot of round to go on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. Got a question about something you've heard on the Virtual Bible Study? Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. We'll be right back after this. 
Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN, it's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. (laughs) And then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. (laughs) And at 9 o'clock, it's the show that Television Magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 128. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin and it's never funny. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. More Americans check Facebook daily than read the Bible. Worldwide, Facebook has 757 million daily active users. Of those, 19% are in the U.S. and Canada, so that's more than 143 million people in North America checking Facebook daily. A 2006 poll found that 15% of U.S. adults read the Bible or other religious texts daily. There are about 267 million adults in the U.S. and Canada. That means about 40 million people are reading the Bible daily, compared with 143 million reading Facebook. That information is via the Associated Press. The Word of God says in Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. How about logging off of Facebook and getting into God's book? The virtual Bible study continues. We're back on the program tonight. We're going to go fast to the top of the hour as we examine this debate between Bill Nye and Ken Ham. All right. Uh, Number nine. Uh, Bill Nye made this observation. Inherent in the creationist view, says Nye, is that Noah's family would have built a ship that could have housed 7,000 kinds of animals they would have had to feed those animals, but we have we have run scientific tests that disproves their ability to do so. A huge wooden ship was actually built many years ago, but that ship would twist in the sea, and in all the twisting, it leaked and eventually sank. The best shipbuilders in the world could not build a ship that would be viable. Okay. All right, how are we going to explain that? Uh, again, we're talking about God's involvement in this. Mm-hmm. I, I I never heard of that. That ship crashing that was supposedly tried to be built on the yeah. on the dimensions of the ark. I've, I've never heard that. By the way, we, we got to get to these emails, Jacob. Yeah. Uh, but uh, again, we've got God involved in that. God involved in bringing the animals together for Noah to put on the ark. Yeah, Eric said, uh, I believe part of believing in the account of Noah is accepting that God obviously had his hand in the whole thing. It does seem possible that it all could have been done by. It doesn't seem possible. I think Eric meant that it could all have been done by man's power alone. Yeah. And uh, and Jim says, building a ship to house 6,000 an- animals, answer one, assumes you know the exact number of animals. Number two, the ship did not have to maneuver around the sea, only float, which God took care of by having the waters to bear up the ark, Genesis six or 7, verse 17. There's nothing mentioned in the Genesis account of the ark having to move in any direction except up, and God takes care of that. And he says, number three, the best ship builders in the world did not have God as their architect. But you know what? I, I have heard that ship builders even to this day build their ships big ocean going ships are built on the same proportional ratios that the ark was built that it is a very stable uh vessel uh in, in those proportions all right uh aaron mentioned something in the chat room he says along different lines you may be familiar with the e coli evolution experiment that has been running for five fifty thousand plus generations at michigan state Linsky and his colleagues are excited about how it shows evolution in action. But after 50,000 generations, there are zero new structures apparent in E. coli. It is still E. coli behaving a bit differently. The amount of time for complex structures to develop, giving the, invast, the, the vast improbabilities for each step, dwarfs even 4.5 billion years. In other words, Aaron says 4.5 billion years would not be long enough for evolution to occur Given what we can observe with that E. coli experiment, in other words, uh, they've observed enough generations that they should that, see that, that something going on. That would be the equivalent of that many generations yep. in humans, for instance. That's right. He says, consider the 46 chromosomes in humans. Evolutionary theory is that we built up, uh, but we have lots and lots of experience with what happens when a stable organism adds a chromosome. We call it Down syndrome. 
It, and it is beneficial in exactly zero out of millions of cases. The success rate for adding chromosomes, as far as we can measure, with millions of cases is zero. So, yeah. Well, this goes to the next point that Bill Nye made. He said, "We want in science. What we want in science is an ability to predict. Evolution gives scientists the ability to make predictions." Well, no, it doesn't. And and I think that's exactly the, the, the illustration that Aaron put in the chat room is just exactly what's the prediction if you added chromosomes to yeah. the, to an existing organism's yeah. genetic right. makeup? Right. Well, we can predict what happens. Yeah. And it's not good. And he says, uh, I've read bi- biologists trying to explain how maybe organisms could have added in pairs, uh, that is chromosomes, rather than one at a time, because even numbers of chromosomes are more stable and you wouldn't believe how complicated uh, they are, I guess, the explanations they're giving. Uh, so, exactly, how do we get to the development, this developmental stage where we are now if, if evolution has taken place, where there are 46 chromosomes? How, do you, you just, how did you do that? Explain that. Yeah, you know, to me, I've always thought, just real quickly, I've always thought that the idea that, that favorable mutations brought about change in species and changed in, from one species to another, a new kind, uh, you know, we don't see favorable mutations in the real world today. You know, you want to talk about observing what's happening here and assuming it's always happened uniformly, uniformly throughout the course of, of ancient history. If that's so, then what's happening here? Well, you know, if you hear if you hear of, of some parents and their baby was born with a mutation, what do you say? Mm-hmm. You say those oh, poor people. Oh, those, yeah. I hope it's. I hope. I hope that can be fixed. You know, that's yeah. that's bad. Yeah. You don't say, oh man, those lucky parents. Oh, they got a kid got, with a mutation. He's got a third arm. Uh, you know, <laughs> oh boy. You know, so uh, that, it's just crazy. All right, number ten. Uh, you said there about the uh, science being able to predict. Uh, yeah. uh, Jim says uh, science does not give man the answer to predict. Thirty years ago, they predicted an ice age. Ten years ago, they predicted global warming. Man cannot predict because man cannot control himself, let alone nature. And air and Eric says the Bible allows us to predict what will happen as people suppress the knowledge of God. Amen to that, Eric. All right, and real quickly, uh, Bill Nye says that dating methods are very reliable, and that's and that's just not a fair representation. See, one of the things that I thought was disappointing in the debate was that those kind of statements were left fairly unchallenged. Radiometric dating methods are all over the place. You take you take the same rock or fossil or whatever it is you're trying to date, and you and there's several different. Uh, measures, radio, radiometric measures that are made using different decaying isotopes of radioactive uh, elements. And you use one test and you come up with one age. You use another test, you come up with a different age. You use another test, you come up with yet a third. And often varying enormously. You know, if they were reliable, then you would think that all of them would end up with at, at least approximately the same answer. Right. And they don't. Ken Ham in the debate touched on this. He said the the radiometric dating methods are based upon unproven assumptions. That's, in other words, you, you have to know how much of that radioactive radioactive isotope was in the element that uh, was in the object to start with. Mm-hmm. You you have to know how many uh, parent types and daughter types of those of those radioactive elements were. You, you need to know that ratio at the start. You can't just assume that they were all the the parent type isotope. Yeah, but that's what they do. They assume it was all the parent type isotope. When that rock was formed, there were no daughter type isotopes. Right, right, right. They assume it was all it was all the the parent type isotope, and you you have to assume that there was no contamination of it. All right, so, so let's put it. In, let's, let's say it's a cookie, and you want to measure, and and, and as and the cookie no, ages, there get, it gets chocolate chips in it. No, it's better. It's better to use the analogy of a clock. If you want to, if you want a clock to measure an, right. the length, the time of an event, you have to know where the clock was set when the test started. Yeah. You need to know that nobody tampered with the clock while the test was underway. Yeah. And you need to know that the clock ran at a consistent rate throughout the course of the there of the go. test. And you don't know any of that about radioactive dating methods, and so they are not reliable. That was a false representation. Okay. He says. Number 12, Bill Nye says creationists use magical thinking and it's not conventional mainstream science. What about magical thinking? Well, first off, first off, his whole debate is he they are making assumptions and they are interpreting data in the way that they want to interpret it. There's more than one way to interpret the scientific data that they're observing. They're observing it with their slant. 
And yet he's going to call people who believe in creation as being those who believe in magical thinking and not conventional mainstream science. Uh, that is not the case. The Bible does not dis, does not uh, argue with true science. The Bible does not contradict true science and true fact. But the scientists have been wrong yeah, this throughout ca- time. Scientists have believed in magical thinking. And well, not- what about con- conventional mainstream science? Conventional mainstream science is has has been provably wrong throughout history. Conventional mainstream science is what they believe today. It's not what they believed last week because they've proven that they were wrong last week already. Yeah, yeah, At one right. point, conventional mainstream science believed the world was flat. There you go. Yeah, that's right. And and that the earth was the center of the universe. Yeah. Uh, here's uh, I thought this was interesting from Chris in UK. He says, concerning magical thinking, if I have a box with nothing in it and then suddenly a while later you pull a rabbit out of it, is that not magic? So what is abiogenesis he says nothing after billions of years is still going to be nothing in other words the evolution is the one who's pulling a rabbit out of the hat he's saying there was nothing here there was all it was all non-living matter and suddenly there was something alive and it evolved to everything we see today talk about magic yeah all right all right uh let's see here Uh, tim scott got an email there for you i think i don't know if you've found his or not uh I'm not able to keep up with it, Tim. Sorry, uh, we've been so busy, I haven't been able to keep up with the emails. Oh, yeah, it's in your inbox, I think. Um, and uh, he says, um, well... Let me uh, see if I can find it here. All right, and let's... Uh, go ahead, Jay, go to number... Uh, he wants you to read his answer for number 10 uh, about being able to predict. Again, uh, just very, very uh, shocking here what uh, Nye was saying. Uh, Nye says uh, that... Um, the ad, out of the atoms get uh, – yeah, this was, a, this was an important one. Did you, did you get number 10? Uh, uh, Tim's number 10 response was this. Uh, not sure – concerning science's ability to predict. Evolution gives science's ability to make predictions. He says, not sure whether you're suggesting science does not make predictions or if you're trying to say the Bible does not make uh, – does make predictions. If the latter, yes, the Bible makes predictions, prophecy, and has fulfilled prophecy written into it, just as almost every other religious text does as well. If the former, that is that evolution, uh, trying to say the Bible, I don't get it, suggesting science does not make predictions. To me, just show one example from biogeography where, where science makes a prediction and finds that the prediction was true. I, I don't know. I, I can't get with this. It's too, okay. it's too we, long. We, we don't we have time. We're running out of time. We're 13 sorry, sorry, quickly. Uh, Nye asked, where did the, uh, they were asked, Bill Nye, where did the atoms that created the Big Bang get there? And Nye says it's a mystery. We want to know, so let's keep trying to find out. Wait a minute. I thought evolution, and, and that, I thought that was so reasonable, and that we had all this evidence and these facts. But Bill Nye admits that he doesn't understand, and he doesn't have facts to show where the atoms came from. Sounds like Bill Nye is acting on faith. Talk there. about a leap of faith. There, Absolutely, there it is. You know, they they criticize us for for believing in some some unexplained cause, yeah. and yet they have to fall back to that ultimately too. And the, the next question is like it. How did consciousness come from matter? Nye's answer, we don't know. It's a great mystery. We want to know, and that's what we're trying to find out. He can't explain where consciousness came from out of non-living matter. Living things came to be, and some living things even were able to develop a consciousness like the human mind. He can't explain how that. He can't explain where consciousness came from, but we can. The Bible gives the answer to that. All right. And uh, Eric uh, says, um, I appreciate his acknowledgement that we don't know everything. Bible believers should have the same humility, and we do agree with that, Eric. And uh, Jim uh, it says, exactly, no one was there to see uh, or, or observe scientifically exactly what happened. It is a theory which is taught as fact, yet having an eyewitness to an event, Noah and the flood is rejected. Scientists have a belief which they want to be taught as fact. The Big Bang is not a proven fact. And on the subject of consciousness for matter, it being a mystery, again, they do not have an answer, yet feel confident that the Bible answer is wrong. In any argument, even if you can prove your opponent's argument is wrong, it does not guarantee that your argument is right. All right. Thank you, Jim. Excellent comments. Yeah, and we're out of time. Uh, so we didn't get to we didn't get to keep up with the chat room, uh, and we didn't get to keep up with all the late incoming emails. Uh, we just had... Uh, uh, we just had a lot of uh, feedback tonight, and we tried to cover as much of it as we could. I think that the debate, the Bill Nye Kenham debate, was obviously very interesting to a lot of people. Uh, it got some thinking going. That's good. That's good if it did. All right, good discussion tonight. Lots of chatter in the chat room. Glad that you're there. We got to get some more seats in this uh, in this 
classroom or this uh, auditorium, and we'll work on that. And sorry, some of you had trouble listening tonight. Hopefully, if you had trouble getting in live, you're listening in the recorded version, and uh, we'll try and make more provision for you in the future. Well, Monty, yeah. thank you for being here tonight. Thank you, Jacob. And, and, to, and to Tim in the chat room, and, and he sent in an email that we just really couldn't get to and couldn't couldn't figure out in time to include in the discussion. Tim, we've offered you multiple times to have on-air time with us on the virtual Bible study. Uh, we don't mean to mistreat you or, or slight no, no, you we'll in give the discussion. You, we'll, give you, we'll give you 15, 20 minutes of uninterrupted time you can you can say you're, you've always turned us down on that offer before so uh there it is again all right we'd love to have you come and again we'll let you have the time you want and we won't interrupt you we'll treat you politely uh dad thank you for time tonight thank you Jay. thank you for listening hope you enjoyed or you benefited from your our study and discussion of god's word hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the virtual bible study in the meantime we encourage you to put god first in your life study his inspired word of the bible and live by it every day you'll never regret it Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.